Well, this Sunday, uh, we're going to wrap up our series that we've been going through called The Resurrected Life. Okay, so hopefully this has been a good series for you guys and kind of whet your appetite to things that um, really has been on my heart. And I've really seen that as Christians, we've kind of set the bar too low for what we experience. And so throughout the series, I'm hoping that we would raise our bar raise our bar of what we think is possible for us, raise our bar of what we think the normal Christian life should be. And so we've been going through the series and we're trying to do that. So this series, today we're going to wrap that up and we're going to look through a passage that's similar to the passage that we looked at last Sunday. Last Sunday we looked at John 5.19 and we looked at that as our blueprint of how we want to live Jesus' life, the resurrected life. This week, we're going to look at a similar passage found in John 15. So let's take a look at that. John 15 says, I am the true vine, this is Jesus speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. No, remain in me, and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so we want to take a look at these first five verses in John, in John 15, and take a look at that. So let's start with these first three verses. Okay, so Jesus is giving this illustration. So this is actually one of the last things that he's going to speak to his disciples before he's going to go to the cross and die. Okay, so they're walking through this garden, and then they see this vine. And so Jesus gives them this illustration by looking at this vine. And he says, I am the true vine, which means what? Which means there are false vines. So there's other vines that you can be attached to that's not the true vine, the one that we're supposed to be getting our life from. Jesus says, I am the true vine. This is where you want to attach your life to. You want to attach your life to me, not to something else, not to a false vine, not to other people, not to other things. You're supposed to attach your life to me. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Right? And if you get this picture, what's the job of the gardener? The job of the gardener is to take care of the vine. He takes care of us. He watches over us. He makes sure that we're flourishing. He makes sure that we're growing the way that he wants us to grow. When we think about this illustration, the father is very important. He's the gardener. Now look at what the gardener does. He says he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And he tells the disciples, but you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. In other words, he's saying to the disciples, you aren't the branch that gets cut off and thrown away. You are the branch that's producing fruit. And that's true with all of God's disciples, all of the people who are Christians who believe in Jesus are the vine that are the branches that produce the fruit. They're not the branches that get thrown away into the fire. They're the branches that produce fruit. But look at what it says when you look at this. And this is kind of a good test for us because we've been going through this series talking about how to look at ourselves correctly 
and look at the life that we have correctly. And we talked about we can look life as according to our old self, the one that actually died with Christ as an orphan, or we can look at ourselves like a child of God. This is a good example. Let's take a look at this. So it says the gardener will prune the branches so that it will be even more fruitful. So when you hear that, what comes into your mind? What do you think when you hear the gardener pruning you so that you can be more fruitful? What speaks more loudly, the pruning or the fruitfulness? Where does your mind go? How are you receiving that? What's going on in your heart? What's going on in your mind when you hear the gardener is going to prune you? Is it, oh my gosh, I'm going to go through all of this this torture. I'm going to go all through all this pain. I'm going to go all through all these difficulties. He's going to cut this off, and he's going to cut this off, and he's going to remove this from my life, and it's going to be so painful. Is that the first thought that comes to your mind when you read that verse? My father is a gardener, and he, every branch that bears fruit already, he's going to prune so that it'll produce even more fruit. Or do you view this as a child of God who feels secure in who they are and saying, this is not producing any fruit. I don't want this in my life. Why would I want this attached to me? Why would I want this hindering me? Why would, this, why would I want this preventing me from really receiving from the vine? And I'm going to be even more fruitful. I'm fruitful already, and I'm going to be even more fruitful because of this. You can look at the same verse in both ways. The question is, where's your thinking? Where's your perspective? How are you viewing yourself? Are you viewing yourself as an orphan who only can keep looking at the negative, can only looking at what's lacking, can only looking at what's not done yet? Or are you going to act like a child of God who's seeing what God is currently doing, what he has done, what he's presently doing, and how he's working? This is a good litmus test for us to see how are we thinking? Are we thinking like a resurrected child? who are thinking like we have the life of Jesus? Are we thinking about life as a child of God? Are we looking life as an orphan? Okay, these are things that we've discussed throughout this series. And we ask this question, like, what needs to change? What doesn't need to change is us. We don't need to change. We just need to change our thinking about who we are. We need to change our thinking about what God's done. We need to change our thinking about what the gospel and the, and the gospel has done in our life. This is a good litmus test to see. Do I participate and look forward to, and it sounds strange, but look forward to God taking these things away so it could be more fruitful? Verses 4 and 5. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Like, what is Jesus saying when he says, apart from me, you can do nothing? Like, obviously, I can do something, right? I can do, I can do whatever, but what he's saying is, the kind of fruit that he wants to see, which is supernatural fruit, that kind of comes from him, that comes from the vine, you can't do that kind of fruit. You can't produce this kind of fruit apart from me. Okay? And I think, again, when we look at this, what's our focus? Is it apart from me, you can do nothing? Because what's the flip side of that? What's the flip side of apart from me, you can do nothing? Apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do everything. 
Okay, where is our focus? All right, when we look at apart from me, you can do nothing, is it to discourage you? Is it to think that you can't do anything? Or is it to realize, yes, apart from him, I can't do anything. But with him, I can do all things. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Okay, we have to look at both sides of what he's talking about. So when we look at this, this is kind of the blueprint, similar to the John 5.19, that we're going to find, how do we live the resurrected life? We need to just remain. Notice he says, remain in me. It doesn't mean come and get attached to me, come and be connected to me, come and start receiving from me. No, he says, remain in me. You're already connected to the vine. You're already connected to the power source. You're already connected to the river of life. You're already connected to those that, that everything that you need. You're already there. His command is, stay there. Remain there. It's not any of your work that's put you there in the vine. It was only because of Jesus, only because of grace. Now his command to you is, stay there. Stay in my love. Stay connected to me and keep receiving. This is what we talked about during the series. The way to live the resurrected life, you need to receive. This is a perfect example about that. If you cut a branch off from the vine and it's laying there on the ground, guess what's going to happen? It's going to wither up and die. And I think that we feel the result of living our life that way. When we feel disconnected, we feel dry. We feel like we have no life. We feel like everything is difficult. But that's not the resurrected life he wants us to live. He wants us to live the kind of life when we're connected to the vine, when things happen naturally and organically. You know when the vine produces fruit? You don't see it like straining and struggling trying to produce fruit. It just happens naturally. The supernatural fruit happens naturally, right? Because it's getting all of the nutrients from the vine. All the vine is supplying all what the branches need to produce whatever kind of fruit comes out. What's the branch's job? Be a branch. Receive from the vine. Stay attached to the vine. Keep receiving from the vine. That's the branch's job. Stay connected. When I look at this uh, passage, this passage is really helpful picture for us, you know, when we think about it. And I want to give you an example um, that happened to me last year during 2020. And it was in April of 2020 that... Um, the Lord called me, and I was, it's interesting, I was just kind of reading through the Bible like I normally do every year, and uh, I was reading about Jesus' resurrection, and how he was on the earth for 40 days until he got ascended back into heaven. And then the Lord pointed out, there's 40 days after his ministry, there was also 40 days before he started his ministry. It's kind of like a bookend. Right? And the Lord told me, go back and look at the 40 days before he started his ministry. So I go back and turn back in the pages and then look at the beginning before Jesus started his ministry. And those 40 days, what happened? It says, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, and he fasted and prayed for 40 days and for 40 nights. Okay? And I was like, wow, that was the beginning of his ministry. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. And then Jesus told me, that's what I want you to do. I want you to fast for 40 days. 
Now, I mentioned before that I fasted a couple times for 40 days. So in 2018, it was the first time he asked me to fast for 40 days, okay? And that was very hard. <laughs> the longest I had ever fasted before was seven days, and that was only one time. Before that, it was maybe one day, two days, three days. That's the longest I've ever fasted. Fasting and me did not go together, okay? It was not easy for me to do. I shared before that food is my love language, right? I love food. I love eating. So when the Lord asked me to fast, it's not something that I'm jumping at and rejoicing over doing, right? So when he asked me to do that first 40-day fast, I was very, very fearful, very, very fearful going into that first fast in 2018. But I felt like the Lord was doing something significant in my life, right? And I, I it took me a lot of courage. I, I took me three weeks to say yes to it, but at the end of three weeks, I said yes, and I'm going to do the 40-day fast. At the end of that 40-day fast, the Lord started speaking things to me, and that 40-day fast was interesting because it was actually the easiest fast that I ever did, easier than some one-day fast, right? You might think, okay, really? <laughs> really? Seriously? But it was true. That 40-day fast was one of the easiest fasts I ever did. At the end of the 40 days, one of the things the Lord was telling me uh, was, look how dependent upon me you were every day, right? Because when you're fasting for 40 days, uh, trust me, you're very dependent on the Lord, right? So I was very dependent on God to go throughout these 40 days. And then what he told me was, uh, after I was saying, God, it was so good, I, was, I really felt I was so dependent on you every day, he told me, is this true every day? Not just when you're fasting. It's when you're fasting that you suddenly realize what's true all the time. You're always dependent upon me. It took the fast for you to realize it. It took the fast for you to start recognizing the truth of what was happening all the time. You're always dependent upon me like this all the time. And so I was remembering that time when I went into this second 40-day fast last year. And so um, the beginning of the fast, it started out like this passage, like in John 15, 3, where it talked about pruning, okay, and addressing the flesh, okay? And the Lord gave me this picture of this pruning, okay? And it was this, okay? So this is a, a garden hose. And if you can look at the picture, there's a problem with the hose. What's the problem here? What do you see? It's got two big kinks in it, okay? So this is actually my hose in the front. <laughs> this is my hose in the front. And then whenever I try to use it, it kind of kinks up like that. And what happens? You turn the water on, full power, and then what's coming out? It's just dribbling. It's dribbling out. Okay, so when I look at this hose, what's really the problem? Is the problem that there's not enough water? Is there a problem with the water pressure? Is there, is there a problem with how much power is coming out? No, the problem is these kinks in the hose that I can't fully receive the power that's coming out. This was the picture he gave me of the pruning. The pruning is taking the kinks out so you can fully receive from the vine. If you think about the vine illustration, when it's got stuff there that doesn't belong, it prevents God's spirit from coming through. It prevents his life coming through. It prevents his love coming through so you can produce the fruit that he wants you. So he was looking at this picture and he gave me that image and saying, I'm taking the kinks out. So I said, okay, let's go through the kinks. So in the beginning of the fast, and if you've ever fasted, you've, you can relate to this part, the beginning is hard because you're dealing with your flesh, 
right? You're used to depending on yourself. You're used to depending on food for your sustenance and your, your strength and your energy in the beginning. You're not eating anything. You can't do that. So in the beginning, it was a struggle, right? And I'm going through and I'm struggling. Even It was a lot different from my first 40-day fast. It was much more difficult. I was struggling. And I felt like the Lord saying, I am purging things that are preventing you from receiving from me. I'm taking things out that shouldn't be there so you can feel the flow. And you could be like this hose where it's actually receiving the full power of what the Spirit is supposed to bring. And so I'm going through this purging thing, right? And I'm going through that time, and it was difficult in the beginning. But after a certain point, you kind of reach this point where your body kind of adjusts, okay? So if you've ever done longer, a long fast, and we're really unfortunate about the short fast, you never get to the second part, right? Because the first few days, you're kind of like going through that, and then after a little while, that goes away, and then it becomes easy, okay? So then I reached this point, and then the Lord started doing other things to help me to cut show me how he wanted to purge. So one of the things he was telling me to do is just kind of in the natural, he was trying to give me like a physical demonstration of what was happening inside. So what he was telling me was, you need to purge your house, okay? And in fact, I think a lot of people are doing this in 2020 during the quarantine. They're just like purging things out, right? But I think God was telling me, like, this is a physical demonstration of what I'm trying to do inside. He's saying like, you need to start throwing everything away that doesn't belong in here. So me and my wife were like going through all the rooms and all the closets and we're throwing things away and donating things and we're piling all of these things up. And then we're going through our garage and all these things that have been there since we moved there 10 years ago are still in boxes. We're going through all of those boxes and all of these files and all these different things and getting rid of everything that doesn't belong. But you know what's interesting is that takes a lot of work. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of context of what was happening during my fast. So my fast, um, I would only drink water. Okay, so I would only have water during the day. Okay, so during the daytime, only water. Okay, only water all throughout the day. And then at night, I would let, my, my, let myself have like a, a cup of broth or soup or something like that or a smoothie. Okay, so that's my day. Every day, every day was the same thing. Water during the day. And at the end of the day, I would have like cup of soup or a smoothie, and then I was kind of looking it up. So I was probably going on maybe like 300, 400 calories per day, okay, at the very end of the day. So, but the whole day, it was only water, okay, only water, every day, only water. And then I'm doing all of this physical activity. This is on top of my regular job. So I was doing my regular job as a pastor, you know, doing all the different meetings and I'm going through my staff meeting and elders meetings and planning meetings and strategic meetings and budget meetings and administrative meetings. And I was doing studying, studying for my Bible study and sermon preps and I was going to all these different things. I was doing all of those things that I was doing before. Plus on top of that, I was doing all of this purging that was going on. And then I was doing my chores that I normally do. I'm washing the floors and I'm doing dishes. And I'm doing laundry and I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm going throughout this whole thing. And I'm thinking, how is this happening? How am I keep going every day? Right? But I just felt like, I don't know. I just, I feel like God's empowering me to do it. Then I'm going throughout this all the time of this purging. And, you know, I remember this one time I was like, going through and lifting all these boxes and moving all these bookshelves and I was like sweating and I'm feeling like how am I doing all of this right this was all during the day when I had no nothing right I was just only on water zero calories all throughout the day and the Lord was teaching me what kind of thing happens when you're completely dependent on him 
when he started purging all of these different things, guess what the result was? When I got rid of these things, I was able to receive more from him. I was able to recognize more of a dependence on him. I was able to feel the result of being dependent on God, which is an abundance and a power that doesn't make human sense. So I was going throughout this time. And when I was going through this time, uh, it's interesting because at the beginning of 2020, uh, you know, you kind of make the New Year's resolution. So I wanted to try to be more active. Okay, so I don't know if you guys track your steps, but you know, on the phone, it kind of tracks your steps, right? So at the beginning of 2020, my goal was to do 10,000 steps per day. Okay, and so all throughout 2020, I was trying to do 10,000 steps per day. And then I was doing, okay, so let's look, look at this. My first month before the fast, I averaged 13,326 steps per day. And I was saying, I'm doing really good. I'm having a good start to 2020, okay? So this was my, my goal starting in 2020. Then the Lord told me about this 40-day fast, and I'm thinking, what do I do with this goal, right? Like, I can't do this, right? This was hard for me when I'm eating. Like, how am I going to do this goal when I'm fasting and only drinking water, right? And some days the Lord was telling me, I don't even want you to drink water. There are some days he told me, don't drink water, you know, for this morning. You know, some days he was telling me, just drink water all day. Don't have anything at night. So these are the different things he was telling me. And I was thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Okay. But as the weeks went on, as the days went on, let me show you the first month. Okay. So the first 30 days of the, of the fast, what did I average? I averaged 13,700 and was that 82? God, my eyes are bad. <laughs> I averaged more than I did the month before my fast. Okay, so I was going throughout and I was continuing to walk. I was continuing to do all of these steps on top of all the other things, on top of my job, on top of the, the cleaning, on top of the purging, on top of all these different things. I was doing this. Then towards the end of the fast, you know, towards the end of the fast, after the 30 days, the last 10 days, and I remember the last 10 days thinking, wow, this is, this is coming to an end soon. And you would think after doing this for 30 days that what would you have left to finish? And I've talked to other people that have done 40 days fast, and they're thinking the end is really hard. The end is really difficult to try to push yourself towards the very end. But for something happened to me. I felt more energy during this time than I did even at the beginning. I was, not only was I not eating, I was not sleeping. I was sleeping very little. You know, I love sleep, right? I try to get as much sleep as I can. I was not, I didn't even need much sleep. I didn't even need to eat. I didn't have much sleep. And then towards the end, I felt like, yeah, I mean, even more energy. And then I look at my last 10 days. These are my average for the last 10 days. 23,050 steps for my last 10 days. That was my average. Then I look at the last day, okay? So the last day before I'm going to break my fast, it was day 39 and a half, okay? So the next day, that next night, I'm going to break my fast. Okay, so it's interesting. I go, I go, I had a doctor's appointment way back before, scheduled on that day, day 39, okay? So I go to the doctor. I go to the doctor's appointment, and then this whole time, I didn't weigh myself, right? I just, I didn't want to, like, make it about, like, what my weight was or whatever. And it's interesting because my first 40-day pass, I lost 35 pounds. 
Okay, so I was like 180 something and I went all the way down to like 150 something, right? And so uh, after I finished that first 40 days, I, cut, I kept a lot of the weight off, right? I wanted to try to keep a lot of the weight off. So when I started this, I was like 165, right? I was like 165 and I thought, there's no way I'm gonna lose like I did in the first fast, right? And so I was just not even thinking about the weight thing. So then on day 39, I go to the doctor, okay? And then, you know, when you go to the doctor, you go on the scale, right? So I go, I go in there, I go on the scale, and then the, the reading is on the right next to the scale. So I kind of look out of the side, a corner of my eye, I'm like, what? That can't be right. I was 135. 135. I lost another 30 pounds. I didn't think that was possible, right? And during that time, my wife was even saying, it's like, you look like a POW right now. You're so... You're like a skeleton walking around. She kept telling me that, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 135. So then I go into the doctor's office and then I'll tell you a little, the second part of that in a bit. So then this is kind of my state on the 39th day. Okay, I just want to give you a little context on the 39th day. On the 39th day, this was my steps. 35,000 steps on day 39, right? And... When you look at this, think about this for a second, okay? I'm having 300 calories a day at the very end of the day, or sometimes no calories. How is this possible? And if you think about this, this is not possible. This is not possible. In fact, when I did this 35,000 steps, I did it all the way till midnight, okay? So that night, the night before I was gonna break the fast the next day, the Lord told me, I want you to go out and start walking. Okay, and I want you to keep on walking until I tell you to stop. So I walked all the way till midnight, right? And that's how I got 35,000 steps. I walked all the way to midnight. I walked for two and a half hours that night, right? All the way to midnight. And I gotta tell you, I kind of kept walking. I felt amazing. I felt so alive. And I felt so close and connected to the Lord. And you look at that, that's not possible. Right? And when you're listening to this, I don't want you to look at this and say, wow, look at Pastor Sam. Do not do that. If you're doing that and you're watching it at home, rewind it and listen to this again. This is not possible. This is not humanly possible. This is what happens when the Spirit of God is moving inside a human vessel. This is not humanly possible. I'm not a super athlete. I'm not a triathlete that could do something like this. Before this even started, I, I couldn't even run a lap around the track. That's like my physical condition. That's why I had to do walking, because I can't run. That's my physical state. I'm not a super athlete. I can't do this. This is not humanly possible. This is not natural. This was supernatural. This is what happens when you are dependent on God, when you are receiving from him on a daily basis that you're not going on your own strength and your own energy. During the 40-day fast, I couldn't, right? And that's one of the things that helped me experience what I experienced. I literally couldn't do that. I couldn't depend upon myself. I couldn't depend on what I'm eating. I couldn't depend on my physical strength. Yet I didn't do less. I did way more. 
And out of this power, fruitfulness started coming out. All these things started coming out. You know, during the, during the fast, I'm not sure if I shared this prior before, but um, I was never a reader, right? I really just read the Bible. That's all I really read. I don't read on a lot of other books, right? But during the fast, the Lord started highlighting different things he wanted me to read. And I read different books and listened to different books. And during that 40-day time, I read 10 books, right? That's probably more than I did the previous five years put together. In 40 days, I read 10 books. Then he started bringing other people to me. And I started helping them and them writing their own books. And they're submitting things to me. Could you read this? Could you help me go through this? So one person sent me his book. Then another person sent me his book. Then a third person sent me his book. Then a fourth person, it's kind of, kind of outrageous, fourth person within a matter of a week and a half sent me their book. And I went through all of them. I went through all of these different books, kind of going through them and going through their material, going back and forth to them and helping them edit it during this time. All of these things were happening during these 40 days. All of this fruit was just coming out. And what was so amazing, I wasn't trying to do any of it. I wouldn't go in there making this goal that I'm going to read 10 books. I didn't go into this idea that I'm going to help different people editing their books and going through that. I didn't have any of those things in mind. I didn't have that as a goal. I wasn't trying to do any of those things. It was happening naturally. It was happening supernaturally. Fast forward to uh, day 39 again, and I was going to the, the doctor's office, and then I went inside, and uh, they were checking my blood pressure. So the nurse comes in, checking my blood pressure, and then um, she's looking at the reading, and then she said, oh, can we, can we do it again? I'm like, okay, I'll do it again. So put on my arm again, and then she looked at the blood pressure, and she did it again. Um, and then she's had this troubled look on her face, and I'm like, is everything okay? I was getting a little bit worried, right? And she's like, Oh, no, 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 it's okay. Can I try your other arm? So then she tried my other arm, and she tried to take my blood I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? <laughs> She's not telling me what's going on. She's like, well, I just want to make sure, because your blood pressure seems very, very low right now, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. So she gave me the numbers, and I should have wrote down. I can't remember the numbers, but it was, I looked it up later. It was, it was very low. It was below what's normal, right? And so she, she was kind of concerned, and I told her I got to share my testimony, I got to share and say, I'm doing this because I'm doing a 40-day fast. And I, get, I felt like this is what the Lord wanted me to do, and da, 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 da. I shared my testimony with you. And what's great is that she was, like, unsure about the reading, so she got another nurse. So another nurse came in, and she took my blood pressure, and she did the same thing. Oh, can I take it again? I'm like, okay, let me tell you my story. So, like, I told her, I got to share my testimony with her. Then the doctor comes in, and he looks at my weight, and he looks at all this stuff. I got to share my testimony with my doctor, and I got to share with him about all the things I was doing. And I was thinking, this is so amazing, all the things that the Lord is doing, and it's happening so naturally. This is what happens when you get connected with the Lord. This is what happens when his spirit is leading and guiding, that you get to experience fruit that doesn't come from you, that you can't manufacture, that you can't do yourself. Let me give you another example. Okay, this is just a simple everyday example. It happened this morning. Okay, so I was on my prayer walk like I usually do in the morning. I was praying and connecting with God, and then I was walking through the neighborhood, and then all of a sudden on, the, on, the, on my eye, I look and I see something on the ground. It's some bright red thing. So I picked it up, and there's this red keychain uh, with two keys on it. And I was looking at that, and I was looking, and I was like, and I don't know why, but I feel like I really want to find the owner. 
I want to know, I want to find who owns these keys so I can get them these keys. And I'm like, how do I do that? I, I don't know who, who dropped it, right? And so there was a garage sale the day before. And I'm like, maybe someone from the garage sale took, dropped it, lost it. I'm like, how am I supposed to get it to them? Da, da, da. And so what do I do? I asked the Lord about it. So I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said, put it back down here because the person who lost these keys is going to come back and look for it. It's like, okay. So I just left it. I'm like, okay, I don't have anything to do. I'll just, I'll just leave it there because if I took it, then they'll come back and they won't be able to find it. So I put it down there on the ground and I kept walking. And then I was turning the corner and there's this little cul-de-sac that sweeps around and comes back to the same place. So then I went down this cul-de-sac and I'm just kind of walking and talking and enjoying my time with the Lord and connecting with him and listening to him, trying to do more listening than talking like I was talking about last time. And I was going around this cul-de-sac and I came back to the same point. Okay, and then I started walking some more. As soon as I came back to the same place, I saw this uh, elderly woman walking towards me. Okay, and I've seen this lady before and she had this really like concerned look on her face. And so I just said, hi, you know, how are you doing? Um, and then she barely kind of looked up at me, right? And I was like, okay, she's got something going on, right? And so I said hi to her. And then she looked at me and said, excuse me, excuse me, can I, can I ask you something? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, what, what, what is it? She said, have you seen like a keychain, a red keychain with two keys on it that I lost here? I'm like, oh, my gosh. I did. I did. I did find that. Come with me. Come with me. So then I come and I walk her over to the kitchen. The, the kitchen. And watch, while I'm walking over there, she, her whole face kind of changes, right? And then she is so relieved and she's so thankful. And she said, this is the second time we've lost our keys. We lost our keys a few months ago and we had to rekey our whole house and we had to pay all this money. And she was sharing about all the, the hardships. And she said, I can't believe that we lost the keys again and we have to go through this again. And she said, I don't even know why I asked you this question. I didn't even know, I didn't think that you would have the answer, right? Because we've been down the same street three times already, right? I don't know why I even asked you this question. And I think, I know why. <laughs> God was prompting you to ask me because he showed me and he told me. And so I got to share with that woman and she was just so overflowing, so appreciative during that time. Very simple. Very simple, everyday example. But this is the kind of things that happen when you're connected with the Lord and when he's leading and guiding. This is the resurrected life. This is the life he wants us to live. This is the life that Jesus lived. This is the life that he lived where he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And when we look at John 15, it says, you can do nothing apart from the vine. Keep looking at the other side. But with the vine, I can do all things. And I can be supernaturally fruitful because this is the life he's called us to. And so as we close, I pray that, you know, when you hear all of this and you hear all the different stories and don't let all those things go like, oh, that's just Pastor Sam. This is not just me. This is everybody. Everybody can experience this life. And that I'm no different from you. And the only thing it is, is just I'm having the Lord work through and receiving from him. So I pray as we close that that would be your focus, that you'd be receiving from him, that you'd be like one of the branches that receive from the vine, that you freely receive from him, being dependent upon him. Even when you can do it, that you're still dependent upon him for it, 
that you can open up the floodgates, remove the kinks in your hose, so you can feel the full life, full abundance, and full power being connected to the vine, that this is the life that he wants you to live. And so, Jesus, we ask that you would uh, do that in us. We want to ask that you, Holy Spirit, would come and to minister to each one of us. And if we feel like the branch that's on the ground that's not attached to the vine and feeling the result of that, I pray that we would come and see ourselves attached to you now. And then hear your admonition to us, remain, stay here. Stay here, connected with me. Stay here, receiving from me. Stay here, being loved by me and allowing my spirit to flow in and through you to do everything and more than you could ever imagine or think. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.